I like saw this news clip and I was like, wait, who is this woman that is putting him to task? That he's like squirming like a worm on a hook. <laughs> I'm just so grateful in this moment to to hear people standing up and not bowing to the insanity yeah. and not giving into it. So she is one of my number one, like top favorite broads of the current moment. She's another one of those broads that is like really humbling to me because she's only like a year older than me. And I'm like, oh my God, she's amazing. And I can never accomplish. <laughs> I can never catch up with her. What have we done with our lives? Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I, we're recording podcasts in our apartments with our cats. Uh, and she worked on specifically the pathogenesis of respiratory oh, syncytial viruses. I think that's how you say it. So that's like, that's what she did like in undergrad, which is very impressive. (laughs) Well, hello and welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women from history. I am Sarah Gorski. I'm Sam Eggers. And I'm Justin Xavier. And I am here to talk about some COVID Broads Part 2. You knew it was coming, guys. My wrath is not complete. I was ready for more. We got part one. I was ready for part two. I've been so ready. You definitely <laughs> warned us that it was coming last time. So, what do I like text you guys about it all the time? No, you, you just guys, like, you just said it while we were recording. You were like, "I'm gonna do more." <laughs> so, <laughs> well, the good news for everybody is that I feel like. I pulled my shit together a little better. I'm not going to try to do so many women this time. Because <laughs> um, last time we tried to do too many and nobody got enough credit, in my opinion, because they all deserve so much credit. Um, so I'm here with a bunch more broads connected to the COVID-19 pandemic somehow. And I want to start with, oh, man, she's my broad of the week. I had a, did a whole Facebook post about her and I got so many likes. I'm going to talk about Paula Reed. Do you guys know about Paula Reed? Give it to us. Okay, the best thing I can do is to play this clip for you. It's from the week's news. I'm sorry to everybody that you have to listen to 45 um, for just a second. All I'm saying is this. How do you close down the greatest economy in the history of the world when on January 17th you have no cases and no death? When on January 21st, You have one case and no death. One case. Think of that. Now, we're supposed to close down the country, but here's what happened. When on January 31st, I instituted the ban, Joe Biden went crazy. He said, you don't need the ban. He didn't go crazy. Look, he he didn't even know what the hell the ban was. But he, so he didn't go crazy. But he did say, he did call me xenophobic. Wait a minute. He called me xenophobic. He called me a racist because he has since apologized and he said I did the right thing. So when you say, why didn't you this? Every Democrat thought I made a mistake when I did it. I saved tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of lives by putting it. That you bought. The argument is that you bought yourself some time. You didn't use it to prepare hospitals. You didn't use it to ramp up testing. Right you're so, now, you're so, you're so disgraceful. It's so disgraceful the way you say that. Let, let me just, listen, dead. I just How went over it. I just went over it. In an unprecedented crisis. Nobody thought we should do it. And when I did it. But what did you do with the time that you bought? You know, the we month did. of February. That, you that know, video we did. Was a gap. What do you do? What do you do when you have no case in the whole United States? You had cases when you, in February. you, excuse me, 
You reported it. Zero cases, zero deaths on January 17th. January. February, the entire January. I said in January. Your video has a complete gap. On January 30th. What did your administration do in February with the time that your travel ban bought A lot. A lot. And in fact, we'll give you a list. What we did, in fact, part of it was up there. We did a lot. Look, look. You know you're a fake. Oh, I you hate him that. so much. Your whole network, the way you cover it, is fake. And most of you, and not all of you, but the people are wise to you. That's why you have a lower, a lower approval rating than you've ever had before, times probably three. Than you've ever had before, times three. Let me ask you this. Why do you Okay, lie? I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. <laughs> this is, that's literally like the Zoolander scene. <laughs> <laughs> It, it's it so needs to be awful. at least three times bigger than this. <laughs> like, is it your your approval ratings are the lowest they've ever been? Times three. Like, can you? I like, can't even believe this is the reality we live in. Like every day. Grade. But I watched this clip. I like saw this news clip happen. I've had more intelligent debates with first graders. I know. But let me just say, I like saw this news clip and I was like, had the same reaction. I can't even listen to his voice. But then I was like, wait, who is this woman? Who is this woman that is putting him to task? That he's like squirming like a worm on a hook. And it <laughs> is Paula Reed. That's yes. Paula Reed. Ladies and gentlemen. So she is one of my number one, like top favorite broads of the current moment. Um, I have a lot of favorite broads. She is a, a journalist from the CBS, and she's the CBS uh, White House correspondent. And she's so badass, I can't even just like sitting there. And I even have to send you guys the clip so you can actually watch it. She's just like, but what happened to February? And she's so calm and collected, and she's not freaking out. She's just like, there's a gap in your video. You know, the whole prompting of the video was that he played this like crazy propaganda video where he was trying to show what a great job mm -hmm. he did handling mm -hmm. COVID-19. So he created literally a propaganda video. And there's just like a time gap from January to March. And so she's like, hey, what happened to the time gap? And he goes on and on about Biden and all this other shit. And I, I'm just so grateful in this moment to, to hear people standing up and not bowing to the insanity yeah. and not giving into it. And so I just wanted to talk about for her, her for a second, because when I heard the clip, I was like, who is this woman? And then I looked her up and she is amazing. And I can't believe I hadn't actually heard her name before because she's been reporting on quite a lot. So she, when she went to her undergrad, she got a dual degree in psychology and English from the College of William and Mary. And then she went to the Villanova University School of Law and passed her bar exams. And then she got a Master of Bioethics from the Department of Medical Ethics and Health Policy at University of Pennsylvania. Jesus. So she's like this like huge educational history far outside and beyond any sort of like expectations I have of a journalist, which is kind of sad. But now, you know, she has just like got this like profound knowledge of so many things uh and then she's worked her way up in in law and then was hired as an intern at cbs news in their investigative unit um and that's in 2010 she started working for cbs she's another one of those broads that is like really humbling to me because she's only like a year older than me and i'm like oh my god she's amazing and i can never accomplish <laughs> i can never catch up with her oh god i sometimes i hate i hate seeing that i know but she's amazing and that also makes me like that also makes my heart sing because i'm like oh contemporaries people who are contemporaries of mine are doing amazing things
things. And I also feel like that's just the beginning mm. part of our lives where we start to see that happen, which is like a cool moment when you start to see that. But still, mm-hmm. what have we done with our lives? Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I, we're recording podcasts in our apartments with our cats. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, so she starts working at CBS, uh, in 2010 and then, uh, she worked her way through CBS and then in 2014, she was moved to the DC area. Uh, so she joined the, the legal team of CBS news in DC. Uh, and then in 2016, she did a ton of coverage of the Clinton campaign, including, and especially about the quote, email controversy, but her emails... But her emails, you guys. Her emails. <laughs> uh, and then she also, she was uh, on the ground in Charlottesville, Virginia during the Unite the Right rally. That So she was like, she's like, in the recent political scheme of things, she's like been in the shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in 2017, she did huge coverage of uh, the Mueller investigation. Wow. So okay. she was there. She was there, and I didn't, I'm like, I like need to go back and watch all these clips now, now that I know who this amazing woman is. But apparently, during one of the White House press briefings, during the Mueller investigation, Sarah Sanders said she like spouted off about how Trump could fire Mueller if he wanted to. And Reed was the one who like stood up and was like, that's actually not legal. Um, that is not a legal power that he had like, in the press conference. I'm like, I want to see that so yes. bad. She seems like somebody who just doesn't take bullshit. For real. For real. And then in 20, uh, April 2018, she became the official correspondent for CBS News, covering the Justice Department. And she's been like asking all the questions about border policies and all this craziness. And then, the, and now, and then she's in the room there to give it to Trump when he deserves it most. It is so satisfying. It is so damn satisfying, guys. You got to just watch it. Audience, you got to... We'll put it on the website. It's amazing. So that's Paula Reed. And it's short and sweet, but she's amazing. And she's basically the same age as me. Okay, I'm going to forward to another COVID broad. Um, And this broad, if you have been watching news clips, you may have seen her already because she's actually been in quite a few um, stories and they've kind of featured her because... Her name is Kismekia Corbett, and she is the lead scientist for coronavirus vaccine at the National Institute of Health. Uh, and so the place that has kind of one of the biggest leads um, on the, vac- the vaccine development, she's like the head of the team and also like, I think, therefore the spokesperson. So she's kind of the face is that's appearing in a lot of news clips right now. She is, I hate to say this, she's even younger than me. God, this is a day for for my contemporaries kicking my ass. Uh, but she is, uh, she was born in 86. So not that much younger than me. But young, young, enough, to, <laughs> young enough to make me feel old. Uh, she is an immunologist at the Vaccine Research Center at the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, which is part of the National Institutes of Health. In, uh, that's in Bethesda, Maryland. Um, and she's currently the, so the scientific lead, that is her title, of the, the coronavirus team. Um, she's worked on a ton of respiratory diseases in her lifetime so far. Back in 2006, she was getting her bachelor's degree, and she worked um, as a part of that training at the National Institutes of Health. Uh, and she worked on specifically the pathogenesis of respiratory Oh, syncytial viruses. 
I think that's how you say it. Syncytial viruses. Um, so that's like a, how vaccines develop and how they multiply throughout your body. So that's like, that's what she did like in undergrad, which is very impressive. Uh, and then, uh, she moved on in 2009 and she started studying human antibody responses to dengue fever, um, specifically in Sri Lankan children. Oh, wow. And that was at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. So basically she was studying how people's bodies produce antibodies in response to dengue fever and how the genetics, um, of, of the virus itself impact the severity of a disease. Some of this might be, I'm, I think I followed all the science guys, but <laughs> if I didn't, um, listeners, you can totally help correct me. I like want to understand it as my thing. I like pretend I'm a scientist, but I'm not. And then I'm like, I don't know. What We're all doing our I'm best. Deep water. <laughs> anyway, so she moved on after all, that's all her schooling. Um, and then she became a research fellow at the National Institutes of Health. Um, and she worked on both SARS and MERS making, and, and this is really interesting is they were talking about, uh, a simple way to make these, what are, they call them spike proteins, um, that like each, apparently, um, viruses in this family, cause both SARS and MERS are in the same family as coronavirus mm-hmm. as viruses. Mm-hmm. And they have these like special little proteins that are like, that sit at the the crown of the virus. And I think that's what they call the spike proteins. In fact, they're all called the coronaviridae. <laughs> they're all part of the same little family of viruses, which means they work closely together. And she and her team at the National Institutes for Health um, have been using all that information that they have from both uh, the SARS and MERS viruses to help uh, develop a vaccine. And they already have uh, a vaccine that is in its first phase of clinical trials. So, uh, and they had that actually only 66 days after the virus sequence was released. They did it pretty damn fast. And so they're in trial right now. Yeah, they're in trial right now. And so they have to test it. It looks like on at least 45 people. um, And there's two different injections that have to be given 28 days apart. So it's all like in the middle of all that right now. But there's like super high hopes uh, from her and her team, because of their successes with both SARS and MERS, that they're going to knock this one out of the park. And so I'm super excited. And Kismekia Corbett is an amazing broad. And I'm super excited to have her leading this team, um, figuring out COVID-19. They're going to do it. Yes. Woo-hoo! Okay, my next COVID broad. My next COVID broad. Um... She is a less prominent doctor. You've not probably seen her in the news. She did have, I think, maybe a Facebook post that may have gone viral. Her name is Dr. Michelle Tom. Do you guys heard of Dr. Michelle Tom? Mm Mm-mm. I had neither. She actually used to be a a basketball player for Arizona State in the 90s. That's like that, like this, this viral Facebook post. And then all this information about her basketball playing pop up when you Google her. So she played a ton of basketball and then she became a badass doctor. But uh, so Dr. Tom, she actually uh, she works uh, in Arizona and she works on the Navajo reservation. She's Navajo. Her family is Navajo. And you know, most of the broads I've been bringing in are people that have been like famous in the news and stuff like that. But honestly, I, I stumbled on on this story and I felt like it was worth mentioning because I had no idea how 
horrific the scenario in the Navajo reservation is right now. She's one of the doctors on the front line that's that's fighting, well, not not fighting the disease, but helping cure the people and, and heal the people. Her, you know, everything they tell us over and over again with COVID is wash your hands, wash, just wash your hands, 20 seconds, sing a song. And everybody's like posting these clips of how long to sing. But on the reservation where Dr. Tom lives, most people don't even have running water still. They get her family, which she's now separated from because she can't like be living in the same quarters as them. So she hasn't seen them for months at this point. But they have to drive their pickup truck 15 miles to a water truck once a week, and they have to pay $95 a week to fill up their water tank and haul it back home. Wow. So when you tell someone to wash their second their, their hands for 20 seconds, and they have a really limited amount of water, and this is like the norm, this is the absolute norm for life on the reservation. Um, and not just the Navajo reservation, all the reservations. It's, it's like a horrific scenario. Um, so she is doing everything she can in her community, but she had to buy her own protective equipment. She had to buy her own suit. She had to buy her own goggles and face shield. There's a little picture of her. I'm going to put it on the website. And a month, uh, a month after the first tribal confirmed case of coronavirus, um, there's already 1,197 residents who have tested positive and 44 people have died. Oh. Um, and hmm. it, it's horrific. It's Absolutely horrific. And the statistics for it is that the, the people of the Navajo Nation are testing positive at a rate of more than nine times higher than people in the entire state of Arizona. Jeez. Based on the 2010 wow. census. That's terrible. I can't believe they don't have plumbing there yet. That, that's just... No. That's Isn't that insane? It said an estimated 30% of homes on the Navajo Reservation, which has roughly 175,000 residents don't have access to clean, reliable drinking water, and they have to haul it in from local utilities. Oh, it's awful. And there's times, and they said there's times, too, when, like, the local utilities place is closed for three days, like, randomly. So they, like, bring their little truck for water, but then it's randomly closed, and then they have to come back another day. And Dr. Tom, to her credit, she says, I feel fortunate my family can do that. There's some families that don't have a water truck. Wow. Insane. Insane. And so she's practicing medicine, on the reservation, without adequate drinking water, and and two ventilators. Ooh. Jeez. Ooh. And they said that they're serving not even just the Navajo tribes, that people are coming from Apache, Hopi. As far as uh, three hours away, people are driving to them. Their resources are really limited. Um, and she said the rural medicine is hard enough. We've always been short-staffed in general. And I don't know, like, I don't know how much you guys know about the law, but as as it's stipu- stipulated in the treaties with the tribes, the U.S. government has an obligation to provide health care to Native Americans, and this is what they're providing: two ventilators, two <laughs> ventilators. There's like half good news, but it's like partial. I'll say partial good news is that there are people that are working their asses off and getting some small, small wins for the tribal nations. One of those women is uh, Congresswoman Deb Holland, who's a Democrat in New Mexico. She has been fighting tooth and nail since she was elected as part of the blue wave in, in 2018. So since she has been in her seat, she's been fighting tooth and nail for uh, every bit of legislation that she can get um, to help protect all the tribal nations. And they just, they were able to squeeze hard enough to get $8 billion 
from the fun all the funding that's going on right now, they got they managed to get it into the stimulus package, the CARES Act. What they really need is twenty million dollars, but they got eight. <laughs> So they have like a little bit of money squeezing through, and that's because of the hard work of Deb, who's just an amazing, amazing woman and advocate for the tribal nations. Uh, in 2018, there was a report that found that healthcare spending by the government per person on Indian Health Service was $3,332, which is nearly three times lower than the federal healthcare spending per person nationwide. Wow. So this is like a pattern. Okay. Clearly, that's a serious, a serious problem. Um, Deb also is making huge progress, though. Uh, her and a couple of her colleagues um, are trying to remove some restrictions on credit unions because um, right now all of the the um, financial support it's it's like inhibited from. There's all these caps on what. Um, the credit unions can lend to like small businesses that are trying to stay afloat right now. And so they've been really pushing back hard on these cap restrictions uh, on credit unions, because I think credit unions is what's the kind of the primary source of, of loans and money exchange. Uh, And so it's super important that they're allowed to help other businesses stay afloat. So right now they've got, it's a letter that they're, you know, they're moving into, they're like all in recess right now. And shit, but they're trying to move into like the next version of the resp- the COVID response package. And so Deb and a few of the other Congress people all have letters in that are really trying to push to increase that cap. And so there's like a what is the cap is like 12 percent of assets. It's just just not enough in these insane times where all these businesses like can't even function and can't even be open right now. Um, so they're trying to get some more small business disaster loans and get all that open back up. So Deb is doing the work on the ground in the political scheme to try to get more flowing for her people. But man, guys, did you had you even heard about any of that? Not. I've Nothing. heard a, a thing about the when you started talking about it, I realized like oh I had heard about a woman working on the front line with the who said like she where she lived they didn't even have running water but I hadn't heard all the details about it. It blew my mind and so I guess like I know this isn't the biggest story that's in the news cycle but it's like worth talking about and it's worth talking about these broads because they aren't getting the recognition they deserve and they're you know as successful as they can be at what they're doing but they deserve a bigger a bigger platform and they they deserve a little more noise so i wanted to make some noise for them um for sure dr michelle tom and deb holland it made me think of when you're talking about you're saying like how we don't have running water it made me think of flint yes mm-hmm. i thought god yes it's like we have all of these communities in that are just left behind it's so crazy it's, it's so crazy to me up. in 2020 it's crazy that so many people would live. Yeah. I mean, even the fact, like, I, I don't know what you guys pay for your water bills, but, like, $95 a week for water is crazy. That's crazy. It's crazy expensive. Yeah. That's, so, like, yeah. obviously so people high. are taking advantage. The utilities are, like, making the most they can off of people. But I've never paid $95 a, a week for water. Oh, God, no. Never. It's 380 crazy. bucks. That's too much. Yeah. So uh, I think we should keep making noise. Um, we should all write our representatives and we should all try to, to do whatever we can to help support all those doctors. So to, so um, those are my COVID broads part two. Glad they're out there on the front lines keeping yeah, us safe. That's for sure. They I are. to hear about them and hear their names. The vaccine is coming. They're fighting Trump in the press room and they are protecting the tribal nations. And uh, they are broads that deserve that uh, 
that shout out right now. So shout yeah. out to you guys. Oh yeah. Thanks for finding all those women for us. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening to me pretend I know enough about science to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening, everyone. If you want to support Broads You Should Know, you should leave us a review on iTunes or tell your friends, follow, subscribe, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you also can reach out to us on Instagram at Broads You Should Know, or you can email us at broadsyoushouldknow at gmail.com. We'll be back next week to tell you all about another broad you should know. Also, come visit us at broadsyoushouldknow.com because we actually have um, an online database of all the broads, and you can search through all of these amazing, badass women that we have talked about so far and um, eventually probably some we haven't talked about yet but come uh, get your badass woman fix at broadsyoushouldknow.com <laughs>